0: Right. Uh, so today, what we're going to do is we're going to look uh, at the Christmas spirit. Um, I wonder whether you're in the you you're feeling the Christmas spirit yet. It's only two days away. I don't know whether you are. I don't even know what the Christmas spirit is. Is it a tingly feeling? Is it kind of feeling of warmth and excitement, uh, presence, You know. Looking forward to just a bit of a rest for some of you, I'm sure. When do you get into the Christmas spirit? That's a good question. Is it from when the decorations first start getting into the, the shops, probably just a little bit after summer, uh, when they start ramping up about mid-October? Is it when music starts? Christmas music starts playing on the radio about mid-November, actually early November? And people say it gets earlier and earlier, every year. Perhaps it's when you watch the first Christmas TV ad. In, in the UK, there is a, uh, the various companies vie for the best Christmas ad. And usually, it's the John Lewis advert. I don't know whether you've ever been to Britain or you've seen it on, on, the, on YouTube. It often goes viral because it's very sweet and emotional. This year it's, uh, it was about Elton John uh, and him being gifted his first piano. And I think it's worth watching, it's, it's very sweet. Um, and it's definitely one of the highlights of the year in the same way that I think that the, the Super Bowl adverts are, are the great big ones in America. They're, even if you don't watch you know, American football, the Super Bowl ads are the huge ones that everyone wants to see. So too is the, the Christmas ones in the UK. And that kind of gets me a little bit into the Christmas mood. Perhaps it's, you finally feel the Christmas spirit when when you get your first present. As a teacher, I sometimes get some nice Christmas presents from parents, a nice bottle of wine or some chocolates. Even sweeter, and you know, it's, you know, it's not about the money, it's not about the expense. Uh, you know, I get a tiny little kind of present from Uh, from one of my students and you can tell it's something they've chosen or they've they've bought and that's that's really nice perhaps in the traditional sense of the christmas spirit it's it's when you give your first gift perhaps that gift gets you into the christmas spirit and for some of us guys it might be like just a couple of days ago when i'm on amazon and ordering my christmas gifts and checking whether it can get there at the right time um, but it's a strange one, isn't it? And many people, perhaps rightly, are very cynical about it. They say it's fake and it's commercial. In fact, I've ha- heard from a fair share of Christians who say that we shouldn't really care that much about Christ- Christmas. Why? Because, well, Easter is the great Christian festival, Easter is the great Act. Uh, commemorates the great act of jesus when he dies for our salvation surely that his death and substitutionary sacrifice for our sin that is the great event in the christian calendar and why does that take second place to christmas well i'm not going to argue with that but i want to have a look at why christmas is so special So uh, we're going to be looking down at we're going to be looking at Luke chapter two, verse eight to twenty. Uh, and if you've got a digital Bible, we're, we're looking at the ESV version, the English Standard Version. Uh, we have some Bibles over there in the corner. If people, if anyone needs a Bible, just stick up your hand and we can we can hand one to you. Okay. So Luke Luke's Gospel chapter two, verse eight to twenty before we look at that let me pray father we thank you that uh, we can have your word and open it and learn about what you have to say to us Lord, we pray that your spirit is here as you've promised opening up and revealing your truths to us we pray that uh, you can continue to show us more of your character and who you are and what you've done especially at this time where we celebrate the, son, uh, the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, And when they saw it, they made, uh, they made known the saying that was, had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it po- wondered at the, what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering, uh, uh, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it has been told them. So this is the story of the angels appearing to the shepherds. Probably the last people you would want to be your PR people. These were rough men, people loners, people who didn't often come into town. And these people were coming in and saying this wonderful thing had happened, this multitude of angels. Now before I go on to talk about why Christmas is so special, why we have this wonderful celebration. I want to take you, and you'll forgive me, hopefully forgive me for this, uh, a quick whistle stop tour of the Bible, the whole Bible, well, the Old Testament at least. It starts in the beginning. You know what follows. God created the heavens and the earth. He made a perfect heaven and the earth, this perfect God, this creator God. And he made man and woman perfect in his image to rule over the earth. He created the heavens and the earth and he created Adam and Eve. But Adam and Eve wanted to be like God. And so they ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And God, being perfect, could not abide sin, selfishness, the pride, the greed, the disobedience within his presence, and so cut them off from a relationship with him. He sent them out from the Garden of oh, sorry, Garden of Eden and where the tree of life was. And so sin and death came into the world. We cannot talk about Jesus coming into the world without first sin and death coming into the world. Adam and Eve chose to try to become more like God. And as the number of man grew and became more sinful, their numbers grew and they drifted further from God, so much so that God decided to wipe them from the earth. And so he chose to save that one man, that one family of that man that was righteous. Throughout the earth, there was that one man that was righteous, Noah. And God sent a flood. But this is the lesson that anyone who thinks that wiping out evil will solve humanity's problems. Wiping out all sinful people, well, apart from the fact that we are also sinful... Anyone who thinks that will solve humanity's problems, well, this shows that it doesn't. Anyone who thinks that hiding away in a perfect Christian commune will solve humanity's problems or will solve the problem of where we just have Christians, it's not there, is it? You see, sin is inherent to each of us. And what is the first thing that Noah does? He builds a vineyard and he gets drunk. And within a couple of generations, man has grown and his sin has grown. And we'll see this repeating pattern. And they choose to build a Tower of Babel. Why? Why did they choose to build the Tower of Babel? For exactly the same reason. Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit. To become equal with God. And so God scatters them. He causes them to speak different languages, separates them, causes division and scatters them. And there is darkness in the world as man becomes more sinful. But God reaches into that darkness and reaches, reached out to a man named Abraham. A man who responded to God reaching out to him. You see, Abraham did not find God. God found Abraham. Abraham was unable to find God in his weakness. But he responded when God reached out to him. And God made promises to Abraham. God promised that the whole world would be blessed through him and that he would be a father of a great nation. And through Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, God's people, God's chosen people, Grew from one man into a great nation. And through Joseph, sorry, a great tribe, not yet a great nation, and through Joseph bringing that tribe into Egypt, God blessed the people and made them numerous. And they became a great nation. In Egypt, they suffered slavery and pain. But God raised up a great leader. Moses brought salvation to God's people. Moses, who had run away from Egypt. Moses, who said to God, I can't speak in front of these people. You see, God gave him the tools to bring a great salvation to his people. Remember, this is not Moses. This is God who is bringing salvation to his people. And we see even as israel leaves egypt that sin is not dealt with as soon as they get out what's the first thing they do when moses goes up to receive the law they they make an idol a golden calf and time and time again we see through their travels through the desert they fall and they are sinful so much so that god says that this generation Coming out of Egypt will never reach the promised land. Even Moses does not reach the promised land. But this does not cure their wayward heart. Eventually they are led into Canaan and they conquered the land. Joshua and then the judges. But you see we have that repeating pattern once again. Israel grows Numerous and grows more sinful. We see through the book of Judges this repeated phrase In those days, Israel had no king, everyone did as they saw fit. And Judges finishes with this one dreadful act, this shameful act of rape and murder. And it finishes on that one sentence. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. You see, God's people have fallen so far from this salvation and beautiful yeah, uh, presence that God is with them in the desert. How sinful have they become? But new hope arises, first in Saul, who the people choose as king, and then even more so as he is replaced by a king who is chosen by God, David. This is the golden age of Israel. David leads them, and they become a righteous people. David is never defeated in battle. And under Solomon, Israel becomes rich and famous throughout the earth. And yet both of these human men were flawed. David with his uh, pride, killing Uriah and sleeping with Bathsheba. We see Solomon allowing his many wives to introduce idol worship. And we see Israel being split into the northern kingdom and into Judah. So this problem that we see from the beginning, this problem of sin... Even with the great king that God has chosen, even with that great king, this problem of sin is not dealt with. And we see through the kings, the uh, two books of the kings, and the two books of the chronicles, repeated the same pattern. In fact, we see a very familiar pattern. There are occasionally these very righteous kings and under them God blesses Israel. But then we see these dreadful kings who drift further and further away from God and uh, Israel becomes more and more sinful and more and more like the people around them, just like in Judges, until eventually they are conquered by Assyria firstly the northern kingdom is conquered by assyria and about 20 years later judah follows and god's people go into exile and despite the great prophecies in daniel ezekiel isaiah jeremiah and all the minor prophets we are left wondering what has happened to god's plan what has happened to the promises that god has given to abraham the great promises of the world the whole earth being blessed through Abraham. The great promises given to Moses, the same promises, and to David. These are the promises of a perfect God, a creator God. What happened to those promises? And so the Bible goes silent for 400 years. There is darkness for 400 years. One of the most amazing stories this summer, I'm sure you've heard it on all the news channels, was the rescue of the boys in the flooded caves in Thailand. On June the 23rd, 12 boys from the Wild Boar football team, aged between uh, 11 and 16, 11 and 16, so young, went missing in a cave complex in Thailand. There was flash flood and the caves were flooded and the waters started to rise. A search party went out. And about by the 27th of June, about a thousand army and navy personnel were involved in the, in the search and they couldn't find these boys. I want you to close your eyes and imagine that you are in that cave with those boys. Maybe a day or two goes by. Maybe you think your parents are worried about you. Your teachers are worried about you. They know that you are in the area. They are searching for you. How long before your hope wears thin? Three days, four days. A week goes by. How long before that hope dies? You see, it took nine days before the British divers found those boys. Imagine how you would feel. Imagine how those boys felt when that first diver breaks through the water salvation has arrived and even though it took another eight days for the boys all the boys to come out from that moment when that first diver breaks through that water you know salvation has arrived fear not we're going to get you out of here I'm sure that's what they said and food and blankets is brought in into them, and the worst of their doubts and fears is over. You see, sin came into the world from uh, with Adam and Eve. We have just this glimmer of hope and salvation, and restored relationship with our Creator. But we see time and time again through the biblical history, man fails, and this problem of sin is not dealt with and there is no restored relationship with god man cannot reach out to god and how long does that hope last we see darkness as the bible goes silent for 400 years and those 400 years are broken with the cry of a baby A baby being born. Have you ever been to a a baby shower? A celebration of a baby being born? I have to confess, I've never been invited to one. I don't know why. Um, Maybe they're saying something. Um, But I have been to many weddings and many lavish weddings. I love the really, really simple ones where it's just the church family getting together. Those are beautiful. Beautiful. I love it when, so some of my friends are musical and they've got all of their musical friends yeah, creating an amazing wedding service. Uh, I love the dancing and the pomp and ceremony and, and all the great, so uh, yeah, I love being part of it as well. I've been best man three times, no, four times, sorry, including my brother. Uh, and, and just being part of it and knowing lots and lots of people and being you know, part of that central celebration is wonderful. My cousin had this amazing wedding in this beautiful church and then went to a castle afterwards. And there were fireworks and there was feasting and dancing. And then the day after we went to a a Chinese restaurant in a boat and it was a really lavish affair. One of my best friends had uh, in this beautiful little church in in the Lake District in uh, in England. And then went to this uh, amazing hotel on the shores of the Lake Windermere. And as we were driving up, we were wondering, what's that thing being blown up? Maybe it's a bouncy castle. It turned out to be a blow up laser quest arena. You go inside and you play laser quest with other people who are dressed in their suits and you know, um, and then there was a casino and some, a dance floor and, and the food was amazing and the views of the hotel were amazing. It's a, you know, lavish affairs, what great celebrations. I've been to see the fireworks at New Year's Eve in uh, in London. I've seen the fireworks in Hong Kong in Chinese New Year. But nothing would match what we see in this passage. You see, the Bible went silent for 400 years, 400 years of darkness, and it was shattered by the whole heavenly hosts singing glory to God. The silence is shattered by a heavenly host of angels. How often do we see angels in the Bible? In most instances throughout the whole Bible, the angels appear in ones and twos and sometimes threes. To Abraham, three uh, three, uh, appeared at once. Sometimes in dreams, like the angels go uh, ascending and descending the, the stairs to Jacob, I have no doubt that the heavenly host singing and lighting up the sky would be grander than any firework display that has ever existed. My last church uh, was right near the music school in London, one of the music schools, and we had a lot of amazingly talented musicians. One thing I loved was when they just stop the music, and the whole of the congregation would be in full voice. And singing that and hearing that, a congregation in full voice is a beautiful sound. But imagine a myriad of angels singing and lighting up the sky, This was a very, very special baby shower, a special celebration. And why are they singing? Let's look down. If you've got that passage there, please let's look down. Verse 10. So Luke two, verse 10. And this should answer our question. And the angel said to them, fear not, for I bring you good news, not fake news. We're too used to that nowadays not bad news or like we see on the newspapers all the time i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord there is none of the fear and confusion of fake news Not just for the Jews, not just for the British or the Chinese or the Americans, not just for the rich or the well-educated. This is for all people. Good news. A saviour who is born. And you might be asking yourself, well, we still don't see peace on earth. We still see wars and pain and suffering. But do you see what the problem was? From Adam and Eve, the problem was not war. The problem was sin. The problem was our relationship with God was broken. And so this salvation, this substitutionary sacrifice, allows God now to reach out and have a relationship with us. There is that restored relationship. And when... Judgment comes and we have the promised eternity. Yes, as Christians we have promised a promised place in eternity, in his family. Then that is peace. And that begins now. The peace on earth begins now for everyone. The 400 years was over the end of the waiting the end of the hopelessness the new dawn the breaking of that water when the diver comes out and says you're safe now everything's going to be all right and i hope you see why christmas is so special in marks sorry it marks the beginning of the end God has come into the world. Salvation has come. You see, non-Christians don't understand this. They won't understand this. I've met, heard many times, people have thrown this in my face, Christianity is a crutch. And that kind of bristles my pride. That bristles our pride, doesn't it? Christianity is a crutch. You need Christianity. It's something, you're weak because you need Christianity. But this is it. Christianity demands humility. What if one of those boys had said, I don't need to be saved. I'm going to swim out here by myself. Or I'm going to find a way. What if when the divers came and he said, No, I don't want to go with you. I'm going to find my own way. My dad's going to come for me. You know, you're not my dad. My dad, this would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Christianity demands humility to acknowledge that we must have a saviour. We need a saviour. We cannot make it right on our own. Yes, Christianity is a crutch. We need to announce that unashamedly. To become a Christian, we need to acknowledge first that we need a saviour. And if you're not a Christian here today, then please do talk to somebody or pray to God for revelation. Salvation is being held out to you. If you are a Christian, then I hope I've shown you why Christmas is such a wonderful thing forget all the commercialism, all the fakeness. This is God's Son entering into the world, and this is the beginning of salvation. He has sent his Son to save us. Let me pray. Father, help us to remember you and your Son and what you've given us at this time. Lord help us to love the lost as we were once lost and you sent your son to save us you reached out there was no way that we could reach you you broke through that barrier you wiped away our sin so we can have a relationship with the king With the eternal King, the creator God, the good and perfect God. And Lord, we look forward to eternity with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.